hopefully somebody's having a good morning out there. But anyways, I always like to double check and make sure I'm up here at the right time. Am I not? Okay, good. I'm always afraid I'm going to get up at the wrong time. This morning, as we start, it's already been announced, but my name is Mark Holloway, and I worship with the Zion Church of Christ. And I would like to thank you for having me out here this morning. It means a lot, and I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. And hopefully as we crack this book open that we're about to look at, this Bible that we hold in our hands, we'll learn something that will take what we learn. So if you would, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 as we start. Because I say that we're going to crack this book open, but what book are we cracking open? I want us to realize that this book is something that is set apart from any other book that we could have in our house, in our hands, on a bookshelf. I want you to read verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 4 with me. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful. It says, It's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the divisions of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I want you to think about what it says at the beginning of this verse. It says, the word of God is living and powerful. What we hold in our hands right now, what we are looking at, what we're reading from, it's a key to turn the world upside down. As you look at the news, as you look at what's going on in the world, Uncertainty is everywhere. There's something that's certain here, and there's salvation to be found through Jesus Christ. As we open this up and we read this morning, I want you to, to keep that in mind. I want you to keep in mind that there is hope in this book, that it, it gives us something that nothing else we read can give. Now, I want to go to the book of Deuteronomy, so we're going to go all the way from the back to the front. Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 35. Now, as we, as we get turning there, in chapter 31, you have uh, Moses is handing over the law. It's written. It's done. He's giving it to him, and he's about to go away. He's about to go on. And as he does this, he tells them that after he leaves, y'all are going to turn away. Y'all are going to go to your own thing. He says that even while he was alive, that you turn, you turn to the idols. You turn to the wrong things in life. Now, He's going to sing. It's, it's called a Song of Moses, what some people call it. It's some words that he said here in verse or chapter 32. And as you go to verse 35 of chapter 32 in Deuteronomy, he says, Vengeance is mine and recompense. And he's talking about God here. Vengeance is God's and recompense. He says, Their foot shall slide in due time. Some verses say slip. Some say Another word, but it all carries that same instance of whenever you're, you know, walking. Think of that. Whenever you're somewhere where you don't really want to go anywhere else and you start sliding, you start going from that path, it doesn't feel good. I can say that I've been on a few roofs in my life. And when you get up on a roof, especially when it's over a basement and it's a two-story house, our favorite thing to say when we get up there to kind of set the mindset is we're at certain death falling height. When you fall 30 feet, it ain't a good chance you're going to get up and walk off. And if you do, you're probably going to be hurt pretty bad. So we take it serious. But when you're up there on a roof, you've got to pay attention. Because if your foot starts sliding, you could end up dead as a hammer. So it's something that we don't take lightly, something that I don't take lightly. Some may. But when you're up there and your foot starts sliding, because I've had it happen, guess what? It doesn't feel good. You know immediately. 
you know what it feels like to be firm and grounded up there. And when your foot starts sliding instantly, your brain recognizes it. And you know that you're going somewhere you don't need to go, and you try to do everything you can to stop yourself. And, you know, luckily, I've done that. But there's been a few times where my foot slipped, and it scared me to death. So I want you to keep in mind whatever example you yourself can think of, of when your foot slips, whenever you've had some kind of something where you lose your firm foundation, your footing, where you know you're safe. You know. You know instantly when you've lost that. So it says, Vengeance is mine and recompense their foot shall slide when? In due time. It says, For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. As a church, together, as Christians individually, I want you to think about yourself right now, your spiritual footing. How firm are you right now? Are you on flat ground? Is things going good in your life? Or are you on a slope? Is things hard right now? If so, how's your footing? Because if you ever go walking through the woods around here, more than likely you're going to find a hill pretty quick, especially in Jackson County where I'm from. You can't hardly walk out the door without finding one. And you know what? Some of them things are steep. You know, I went sliding down some of them whenever I know I lost my foot. There's some techniques, you know, to walk around on those things. You don't want to walk, walk, walk around on no rocks. It's going to slide out from under you. You want to walk where your feet's firm when you're on a slope. You want to make sure that you've got something to catch you if you was to slip. You've got to think where you're going out, just as if when you're up on a roof. You've got to think, now, if I get up here, if I've got a tow board to slide down onto if something happens. You've got to think ahead. You've got to think of what could happen, and am I equipped to handle that? As a Christian, how, how's your terrain right now? Life difficult, easy? That's a question for you to answer yourself. That's something for you to think about because I don't know. I don't know what's going on with you. But how is your footing nonetheless in that? Let me ask you a question. Do some shoes serve a purpose better than others? Would you want to get up on a roof in bowling shoes? I mean, I've slid and absolutely ended up on the floor before in bowling shoes. They're not, they're not made for traction. They're made to slide when you bowl. Certain shoes like cleats, I wouldn't get up on a roof in cleats. You go sliding down there, but they really grip good in grass, do they not? Think about the purpose of these. This Bible right here isn't a shoe. I can't wear it. But does it have a purpose? What is its purpose? What does it do for me? Just as a shoe, in any kind of instance, any scenario, the shoe's got a purpose when I wear it. You know, you watch these guys, you may have never seen them, but I found that the skateboard shoes stick to a roof better than anything because their purpose is to stick to a skateboard when it's going straight down a ramp. They love them. I mean, they stick to them roofs good. See, the purpose has a lot to do with how well something works. What's it made for? What's this Bible made for? Well, let's read a little bit about it. Let's think about our feet. Let's think about some examples of some feet sliding and what happened, how it was uh, handled. Go to the book of First Kings, if you would. First Kings chapter 13. First Kings chapter 13, starting at verse 6. So we're going to have a king here. He's in a little bit of a pickle with his hand, and that's the backfield. So write that down if you want to go back and read the story because there's a lot of details you can learn, and it's good study. 
But when we start in verse 6, what's it going to say? Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord that your God... Uh, the Lord your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. Verse 8, But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. Why? Verse 9, For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. The Lord told this young prophet here instructions. He told him how to handle himself. He told him what purpose he had during this time. And did that young prophet stick to that? Yes. So I want to go right on down to verse 11. It says, Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came to him and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. Verse 12, And their father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. Then he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it. And it went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak tree. Then he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. So we have two prophets here, a young prophet and an old prophet. And it sounds like things are going pretty good so far. You wouldn't think either one of them would want to cause each other to sin or to go away, to uh, go the wrong way, the wrong path, to slip from the path that the Lord had given either one of them. What's going to happen? Well, let's keep reading a little bit. After he says, I'm that prophet, verse 15, Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return home with you nor go in with you, neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I've been told by the word of the Lord, You shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. Verse 18, he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. Notice what it says. He was lying to him. He's lying to him. He's tricking him. Does he fall for it? He's been very wise up until this point. He hadn't listened to anybody. He hadn't went in with him. He told him he had a purpose. He knew exactly where his footing was. He was firm in that. But what does he do next? So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Does it sound like his footing slipped? Yes. Yes, he did what the Lord had told him not to do. Well, who commanded him to do it? A man. We can learn so much from this right here because today there's so many men out there in the world that tell us what to do in regards to salvation. Who was this young prophet to listen to and only to? God, the Lord. What got him in trouble? listening to man what kind of trouble did he get in let's find out now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back and he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying thus says the Lord because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you but you came back ate bread and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you eat no bread and drink no water your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your father so it was 
after he'd eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled the donkey, that he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back. When he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him, and his corpse was thrown on the road, and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. This young man listened to the Lord very well, very well. But when did he get off track? When did he slide to his death? When he listened to man. And that man was lying to him. God's not going to lie to us. We need to listen to God first, man second. Everything I say, you need to be double-checking, triple-checking. Check it 12 times. If you find fault with it, you let me know because I need to change it. You check it, check, check, check. You never get to the point where you don't check what a man's telling you. Always. Because I'm not intentionally being that old prophet. But there's a chance I'm a man. I make mistakes. I can tell you that every single day of my life I mess something up. And I want you to check that. Make sure that I'm not messing something up. And let me know. I'll correct it. We need to be careful who we listen to. What we let enter our minds and settle in our minds. Because we can get drawn away very, very quickly by man. Now, as we go from this, we can take away that we need to trust and listen to God rather than man in all circumstances. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 5. Acts, chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. As we start right here, you may already know where we're going. You may already know this story, but if you don't, we're going to read it. So you're going to hear something new today. And he kept back part of the proceeds. Sounds okay, does it not? He's selling something, he keeps a little bit back for himself, it says. His wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? So it seems as if he was letting on like he was giving the whole, does it not? Was he? No. No. It wasn't. He wasn't. Sounds kind of like a small thing. Just to make yourself a little bigger than you are, make you shoes or britches or whatever you want to say look bigger than what they actually are well what was the penalty well he says why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of land for yourself while it remained was it not your own and after it was sold was it not in your control why have you conceived this thing in your heart you have not lied to men but to God Ananias lied Ananias and Sapphira both lied not only to men but to God for some strange reason, man thinks, it gets in his mind that we can say stuff and it, it doesn't apply to our spiritual life. Everything we say and do on a daily basis, we need to mean it. If I say something, I need to say it and mean it as if when it comes off my tongue, I'm going to do that. Right then and there, I have every intention. I'm bad to say, I'll do something, and then guess what? I forgot I was going to do something else. I get sidetracked. I forget to go do whatever I said. 
if my mom was here, she would tell you that's very true. She'll tell me to do something, and I'll say, I'll do that. By the end of the day, I've had a hundred other things I feel like I've been doing and probably done too, and I forgot to do it. My word wasn't very solid, was it? Well, let's look at Ananias and Sapphira and their words. They lied to the Holy Spirit, so it wasn't very good words. What about their feet? Were their feet firm? No, not really, because they lied to the Holy Spirit. So when their feet slipped, verse 5, we're going to see what happened. Then Ananias, hearing these words, didn't get up and go and, and say, I'm sorry. He fell down and he breathed his last. Ananias is dead as a hammer for lying to the Holy Spirit. His feet slipped. He let pride get in his way, and he died. Does it sound like the Lord is very lenient towards what we do if we deviate from his direction? I know for a fact that it's easy to get into a mindset because you live each and every day. I don't know when my time is. You don't know when your time is. But when it comes, we need to be living like we are ready to go. We need to be ready to go every single day. But it's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to sit here today, and it, me is speaking. It's easy for me to rattle off my notes and what I've prepared and what I've sat down and tried to remember and become detached from that, to not let it grab a hold. Have you ever tried to anchor something down and whatever you anchor down, let loose? Ratchet straps will do that sometimes. I've had them break. You know, you'll have a big load of garbage or something, and they'll break, and guess what happens? Everything goes everywhere. It's chaos. As a Christian, sometimes I think I've got everything really well packed down, and then something breaks, and I've got a lot more packing down to do and a lot of cleaning up to do because I realize that there's something not right in my life. I become attached back to that purpose of the Bible to help me to be more like Christ, to help me to get closer to being like Christ. That's my duty. That's my purpose. Get my feet planted firmly. Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias is dead. Verse 6, And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Verse 7, Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Her feet slipped. Verse 9, Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Verse 10, Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in, found her dead, and carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Now as you think back, the early church here, people died for lying. To the Holy Spirit. When we sit here and open this book, as we read earlier, it's living, it's powerful. It's not just a bunch of pages. There's nothing better. I always like to reference it when I'm speaking. When you turn to a passage, you hear the, the pages turning, you know. It's like if you ever been to the ocean, you can hear the waves in and out. Well, that's, that's something similar. That's a, that's a sound that's unique in and of itself. These pages that we flip are not just paper. They're not just some novel, not just some story. So many times, we just got done with VBS at Zion. So many times, I become detached from those stories because, you know, they sound like something I'd read in a storybook. When you read about a, a young man, maybe younger than me, around my age, named David, killing a giant that was over seven foot tall, that sounds with a slingshot, nonetheless. 
hitting him right in the – you ever tried to use a slingshot? I can't – I mean, I can't hit the broadside of a barn, literally, with a slingshot, let alone some guy's forehead. David did that. David was a man after God's own heart. And when I read all these things that these men in the Old Testament did that are more so like a story type, you know, instance than in the New Testament, it's easy for me to become detached. I let my foot slide a little bit and to take that not as seriously as I need to. It's very easy for me to do. We need to teach this book with all seriousness. We need to take it serious every time we open it. It said that, and I wasn't there to witness it, and like I said earlier, you can't trust everything man tells you, so I say it's said. And you can research for yourself and come to your own conclusion, but in the olden days back in the beginning of America, churches would have to chain their Bibles to their pulpit because people would try to steal them. Wouldn't that be a good problem to have today? I would gladly, I'd go buy 100 Bibles today if people would break in my house and steal my Bibles. I'd love for them to, they'd need it. And hopefully they'd learn something from it. But can you imagine us having to guard this thing so that somebody didn't steal it from us? Can you imagine this, this Bible costing hundreds of thousands of dollars because somebody had to write it all by hand before the printing press was invented? Can you imagine, right now we're looking at, at type that's just like a typewriter, very legibly. Can you imagine looking at somebody's actual handwriting through the whole thing, you know, in cursive or however fancy they would write it? This Bible is something that was hand-copied for thousands of years. It was written out on, on paper, maybe even skins of ant, whatever they could find to write it on. But today in America, where everything's so fast-paced, we often let our feet slide and we don't sit back and think about what we're reading. Think about the history behind it. Think about all that it means and all the trouble that it's, people have went through to keep this word as pure as they have. We are blessed to have it at our fingertips this morning. Ananias and Sapphira, they were blessed with a piece of land. The young prophet was blessed with some directions by the Lord, and they let their feet slide. We do not need to let our feet slide this morning anymore if they are. We need to look at one more example in 2 Kings. 2 Kings. So we'll go back about where we was at at the beginning. 2 Kings. Chapter 5, verse 9. Second Kings chapter 5, starting at verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Something amazing. This is one of these things where we just talked about where it's, it could be like a story when you hear this. He's standing at Elisha's house. Something amazing is fixing to happen. Notice his attitude towards it. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Now, when we're talking about the flesh here, it's, he wasn't just dirty. He hadn't been out working hard in the, in the dirt, in the filth, and he had a leprosy. If you've never seen leprosy, you're not missing much because when you research it for a lesson, it's really gross. It's sores. It's a skin, flesh-eating disease. It's not something you want to be around. Not something you want to be around. Naaman had that. Naaman was a prominent man. Naaman goes to Elisha to seek the healing. Elisha sends out a servant. He tells him, you're going to get healed if you go do this. 
how does Naaman's feet stay in this situation? But Naaman, he wasn't happy. He didn't rejoice because Elisha said, you're going to be cured of this disease that there's no medicine for. There's no way to get around it. You're going to die from it if you don't go do this. Elisha says, you go dip in the Jordan seven times and you're going to be healed. Naaman becomes furious. Why? Well, let's keep on reading. It says, and he went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the, and I'm not a good sayer of all these names, but are not the Abna and the far far rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Naaman seems very silly. It's very silly. He's got Elisha, a man of the Lord, tells him, you go dip, you're going to be clean. Seems like I would do that if I had leprosy. I'd want it to be gone. But Naaman had in his mind, his thoughts, what he thought should happen, how he thought he should handle things, how the Lord should work through Elisha. He was mad because it didn't happen like he thought it should happen. Now, I can sit here and talk about that like that's really silly, but so many times I'm the exact same way. There's things that I, I think should happen a certain way. There's things that I think should go this way or that way, and I think it really matters. But how the Lord wants it to go is what really matters, not how Mark Holloway wants it to go, not how anybody else in this auditorium wants it to go. So I don't know about you, but I ain't going to try to argue with somebody that can speak a world into existence like the one we live in. So, nonetheless, Naaman was a little bit braver than I would be, and I say I would handle things differently. I'm not in the situation, but we're looking at the feet here. Naaman's feet. How sound was he planted in wanting to be cured of this leprosy? Don't seem like very soundly. He's went away in rage, but notice this, verse 13. And his servants came near and spoke to him. And it says that they say something to him. It says, My father, if the prophets, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So what happened? Name and servant. You know, we talked about in class how you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be a Christian. You don't have to be some genius. You don't have to be some special person that's changed the world because... This book right here is what changes things, not us. It's this book working through us. Now, Naaman let the word of the Lord work through him after his servant, somebody that's just a common man, talk some sense into him. I can say for a fact I've had that happen, just like Naaman. Be mad and somebody that's just maybe a parent, maybe a friend, somebody that's just somebody I see every day almost, talk some sense into me. Naaman wasn't going to go and be cured of this leprosy. How silly. But this servant talked to him, and he said, if he'd have told you to go do something great, wouldn't you have done it? How many times in the religious world today do we let that take place? People think, I should be able to just pray to God. They don't realize their thoughts are irrelative. That it, it doesn't matter what they think. It's what God says. Do you ever read of any prayers where, in the New Testament where people are forgiven of all their sins and go off happy? always read about some water and somebody getting put all the way under and back up. I want us to not let her foot slip this morning in that regard because it's easy to get drug away. 
it's easy to be around the world and to start thinking like the world. It's easy to be around people and start thinking like the people you're around. We need to be surrounded by good people, good friends. And no doubt, as so many people already talked to me, I talked about making so many good friends here. I've already met a lot of people, and I've enjoyed it. And it's very, very nice to come out and meet people that love the Lord. And this morning, as I, as I look at this, and as we look at this together, I'm just simply putting a few passages of Scripture out there, and I'm asking you to look at yourself. Because it's neat. You go to all these different congregations of the Lord, and you find people that not only are friendly to you, but they have a genuine care about you. You know, there was a prayer, and it was asked that my thoughts would be directed by the Lord this morning. You all care about me enough to pray about me. You want me to do the best I can do. I appreciate that. I want everybody here to do the best that they can do. And I want you to think about your feet. They're always under us, hopefully. If they ain't, then you've slid up, and it don't feel good. Spiritually, are your feet under you? Are your feet under you? Like I said earlier, it's so easy to become detached from a situation. This morning, we're seeing something very serious unfolding, and it's our lives. There's going to be a time where we're not going to be here anymore, and we should be somewhere that's better, somewhere where there's not worry, where there's not pain, where there's not feet sliding up all the time, where we're not constantly having to go back and correct something that we do because we lost our temper, because we've done this, because we've done that. You fill in the blanks. We should be going on to a better place. We need to live each and every day. And I say that because that's one of my problems. I'm bad not to live each and every day seriously enough. I'm bad to just go with it. That's one, that's one of my biggest problems. You may be able to tell that because I like to just go with it. Whenever I talk to anybody, I just go with the conversation. Just talk to them. Be myself. But I need to be my self as a Christian. I need to be a Christian. If I myself is somebody that this Bible doesn't say I can be, got to cut it out. I've got to. There's things I cut out every single day, and I say that this morning because each and every person here, there's a unique thing within the church. There's care, there's love, compassion. Everybody cares about each other. And as I prepare this lesson this morning, I think of the people. I didn't know anybody here really before I got up and met people here this morning but while I was preparing this lesson I was thinking there's people there that may have some struggles going on Jesus loves each and every one of us and he died for us what gives us the even let in the thought enter that we should be able to say how we are saved we should follow his words we should follow exactly what he says this morning, are we guilty of not following his words? Because as we close and as we tie things up here, in class we talked about the wall that was built in Nehemiah, and as the gaps began to close, the men became furious. I want you to know that there's somebody out there this morning that don't want you to pay attention. They don't want you to listen to what's being said right now. And we call him Satan. He wants to drag as many people off with him as he can. 
and he's going to become furious because no doubt there's probably some gaps being closed in people's mind. Each and every time the Bible's open, there's something that, that you know needs to change. And you know what you got to do? You got to outline your comfort zone. Most people aren't comfortable with walking up and sitting on a bench and saying, I'm wrong. You got to get out of it. You got to get right out of that comfort zone. Because I'm not really comfortable with going up and talking to people that I've never met. And people don't believe it. I'm not really comfortable up in front of everybody being the only one speaking. But I do it because it's something I can do. Christ didn't tell me to sit around on a couch in the air conditioner and watch TV every day to be saved. What did he tell the apostles when he sent them out? They need to go into all the world. They need to preach the gospel. You need to take this book to people. Now, did their feet slip? Yes. Does my feet slip? Yes. Does everybody's feet in here slip? Yes. We got to work hard every day to make sure our feet are under us. Because when they start sliding, if you don't do anything, you'll be somewhere you don't want to be. That's the ground. And it hurts. This morning, I want you to wake up, blink your eyes, think about whether or not you are sliding right now spiritually. Are you maybe just giving in a little bit? Because there's going to be a time where each and every one of us is going to have to answer for what we do. In my generation, the millennial generation, whatever you want to call it, there's a constant thread where if somebody does something, this is kind of an attitude I see from people around me. If you do something wrong, if you run away fast enough, or if you just sit there and stick your head down in the sand, you don't have to answer for it. I don't know where they get that from. There's going to be a day where every single person sitting in here is going to have to answer for what they do, for what they've done, what, they, what you will do in the future. I don't want any person to look at me on the day of judgment and say, you know, I, I wish you would have said just a little bit more. I wish you, I'm trying to say everything I know to say right now. And I want each one of you to know that I want to go on to heaven with each and every person. But I need help to get there from Christians just like you. And everyone else needs help from Christians just like all of us here this morning. we got to pull together. If your foot's sliding, it's time to stop. You probably heard the phrase, the buck stops here. Change. It starts right as soon as you start. So this morning, is your foot sliding? You got the wrong shoes on. Are you wearing the shoes of the world that are slick, that are going to get you down? Change them. Unlace them, take them off, throw them in the dump. Get some new ones. Are you maybe kind of wearing the shoes of the world when you go out with your friends? Are you wearing the shoes of the world when you're at work around people? You're saying some stuff you don't need to say. I mean, it's just this simple. It's not hard of what we don't need to do. It's, it's actually pretty much common sense around here, it seems like. Are you doing something you don't need to do? Take the shoes off and throw them in the dump and put some good shoes on. This Bible right here will give you some traction. You will stop sliding, but you got to read it. you got to study it. you got to live it. you got to breathe it. It can't just be something one day that you do, like today, and then it's tomorrow you don't even think about it again. Right now, are you like me? Your stomach's a little hungry? I stay hungry. And I realize that from trying to buy my own groceries. I try to eat healthier, and I, been, and I mean, I eat a lot. 
Does it ever? Do you ever let your stomach get in the way during church? I do all the time. I'll start getting hungry and I'll start thinking, what am I going to eat? What do I? What am I craving right now? You know, Satan can work through that. He can get our minds distracted just enough to keep us from changing something. Let me say one last thing this morning: is he's 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 pulling one way and, and God he's pulling the other way, and you're the one that decides who wins. It's not me. It's not. It's you. It's you. You decide. So you have a chance to give a tug in one direction. In which direction are you going to give? Because if you need to change and you don't, you're tugging in the direction of Satan. Bad direction. If you need to change and you do, you're tugging in the direction of God. Good direction. This morning, which direction do you need to tug in? Because if we're a strong Christian, we're tugging in the right direction. But if we're not, if we're weak, we've lost our foot and we're, tu- we're pulling in the wrong direction if we don't change something. So we're about to sing a song of invitation. And as we stand, I want you to think about it. Because as a brother in Christ, I love each and every person here, even if I ain't ever talked to you in my life. I want what is absolute best for you, and that's heaven. You can change anything this morning. Please do so as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation.